We are Vic Fellowship and Vic Stands for Vaccine Information Coalition. You're listening to Progressive Radio Network, the most listened to, commercial free and truth radio program in the world. My name is Renee and the title of our show is What in the Cell is Going On? We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, which can be accessed live on prn.fm or later on the front page of our vacinfo.org website. Dr. True will be on next week. I know everybody was excited to hear him again, but he's got updates next week he'll be sharing with us. And today we are blessed to once again have as our guest Joy Garner from the thecontrolgroup.org. Welcome, Joy. Hello there. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm recording this on a for a podcast, so I'm trying to figure out how to share screen, but I think I did it. Uh, anyway, so I've got some amazing uh, things to record. My RV here, so you can do it good. Thank you. Is that better? I've got some amazing things to report. Um, the uh, full report on the control group uh, study is just been completed. And uh, some very fine uh, PhDs and statisticians and all that have been putting together some nice graphs. And um, I'm hoping I can get this to share on my screen as well because I'm uh, trying to record it in that way, but it's not showing up that way. Yeah, I'm seeing myself. I'm not seeing you're in the top right corner, little. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going to record here, but I'm going to give it my best shot, and then I'm going to describe. And, of course, you can describe what you're seeing um, so that uh, people who are just listening can can understand what's being presented. So um, the first thing that uh, I want to do is kind of just walk you through some of the graphs that show the risk values as against. So as you know, the, the control group is... Uh, a study of entirely unvaccinated people. Some of those people were exposed to the vitamin K shot at birth, and a very, very small percentage of those uh, also may or may not have been exposed to uh, maternal vaccines, uh, vaccines from their mother while their mother was pregnant with them. So we've stratified all of these sets, and what we've discovered is that, so I'm going to show you the first chart, this one. Let me put some light on it. Um, I'll do a share screen on the next time, but uh, can you read that okay? No, you're real small. I can't see it. Nope. You don't it's have real- an image on the big screen? No, I have my face on the big screen. <laughs> and then I have yeah. yours. Maybe that's why I can't share the image on what I'm recording. Oh, uh, hmm. That's interesting. So you don't have an image of me to where you could look at what I'm showing you. It's just a real small little like, you know, like a little. Mine's the opposite. I've got a nice big giant picture of you and I can only see a tiny picture of myself. That's what I'm seeing too. Oh, this is turning out to be a great radio show. I'm going to start describing what these charts show. Please. (laughs) Uh, So the, the, uh, the first page here that I'm looking at is showing uh, the average national rate for cancer in adults yep. at 6%. 6% of adults right now, according to the CDC, have cancer. Um, and that's just the ones that are living. You know, the ones that have died, I guess, didn't end up counted. In our control group survey of entirely unvaccinated, the cancer rate is zero. Uh, in, in adults. It's also zero in children. Um, so 6% if you're vaccinated is the risk of cancer. If you remain unvaccinated and have never been vaccinated, your risk is, according to our sampling, zero. Now that's not to say nothing else on earth can cause cancer. Had we, uh, had a larger population of interest from from which to sample from, uh, I'm sure we would stumble on a few cancer cases in entirely unvaccinated people. But there are so few entirely unvaccinated people left in this country that we have an extremely high sampling rate of them. So in other words, even the ones, because we sampled so highly from that population, even the ones who were not uh, part of our survey 
are fairly represented. Um, and so we, so our, our assumption is that the, and, it, and it's a scientifically sound one based on the numbers. Our assumption is that the risk of cancer, if you are unvaccinated, in other words, never been exposed to vaccines, is close to zero. It's infinitesimal. It is so small that even in a survey with a sampling rate as big as ours is, which it was stunning in the end, um, you you have almost no chance at all of getting cancer, as opposed to a 6% risk of cancer once you're over the age of 18 uh, if, if you have been exposed to vaccines. Uh, let me move on to the next chart. Um, so let's see. Uh, the next chart shows the rate of chronic conditions in adults in the United States. Currently, it's at 60% of all adults over the age of 18 that are suffering at least one chronic condition. 42% of adults in the United States over the age of 18 are suffering at least two chronic conditions. 12% of adults in the United States are currently suffering a total of five chronic conditions or more. Um, now, let's move on to the entirely unvaccinated. 60% at least one condition if you're vaccinated. If you are an adult that has never been vaccinated, that risk drops down to 5.71% of at least one condition. Now, when we're talking about two conditions, uh, as I mentioned, the national average in the 99% vaccine-exposed population is 42%. So 42% of those over the age of 18 in the United States are suffering two or more conditions, at least two conditions, chronic conditions. If you are entirely unvaccinated, that rate drops down to 0.95% chance of having uh, more than one condition. Now, we stratified the subsets underneath that to eliminate those that had been exposed to either the vitamin K shot or maternal vaccines and found that uh, it was actually 0% of those over the age of 18 that were suffering more than one chronic condition. 0%. So, so if you avoid vaccines and you avoid vitamin K shot, and prenatal vaccines, you essentially have zero chance of more than one condition. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, in the chronic conditions, uh, a number of five or more in adults in the United States, if you remain entirely unvaccinated, zero risk of having five <laughs> chronic conditions. I mean, we're already at zero uh, basically, I, what, I, what I saw from the data myself was that if you were unvaccinated, there, there were zero entirely unvaccinated that had more than two chronic conditions. And only 0.95% that had uh, two chronic conditions. And all of those were found in the ones that were exposed to vitamin K shot. Um, let's move on to... Chronic conditions in children. Now, we went with some older numbers. We were being very generous in terms of how healthy it appears children are in the United States today. And the lowest numbers that we could find where this was quantified was 27% of uh, the 99% vaccine-exposed vaccine population of children under the age of 18 are suffering um, some sort of chronic conditions. 6.6% um, of them are actually suffering multiple chronic conditions. Uh, however, when you uh, take out the exposure to post-birth vaccines, that rate goes down to 5.9%. Wow. Now, when you remove exposure to vitamin K shots, and or maternal vaccines, the risk of suffering even one chronic condition 
in those under the age of 18 um, drops down to, oh, they don't have it on there. Um, oh, 1.57%. Unbelievable. So, in other words, less than 2% of the children who were not exposed to vaccines um, either prenatally or after birth and that were also not exposed to the vitamin K shot, um, the risk of having even one condition. And I can tell you, I studied this data. I, I went through, I've spent months digging through it and looking at it and stratifying things in different ways. And what I found was that of those that were not vaccinated and not exposed to the vitamin K shot who did have a condition, they were generally very mild conditions. I mean, just stuff that resolves, stuff that's treatable, um, stuff that's not mysterious, like mild and temporary digestive problems. Whereas the children who got uh, the uh, K-shot tended to be, if they, if they did have a, 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 a digestive problem, they would have two or three different types of digestive problems. And they would be severe ones. Um, another interesting thing I discovered about the vitamin K shot in the unvaccinated is that the one, a hundred percent of the Hashimoto's thyroid syndrome that appeared in our unvaccinated study were exclusively found in those who had received the vitamin K shot. Mm. Now, um, as you probably know, but maybe not everyone listening knows, um, the vitamin K shot has aluminum in it, uh, amongst other toxins. And the aluminum is actually in the form that's used in vaccines to trigger an immune response. So it is an immune-triggering adjuvant. And so that would tend to explain why Hashimoto's thyroid, which is an immune disorder, they've specifically admitted that what's happening in that syndrome uh, is that the immune system is attacking the thyroid and disabling it or causing it to be dysfunctional. Um, of course, all of these other things that we're seeing in our children today are more and more being formally classified as immune disorders. And when you look at all the different types of mental disorders or uh, nervous system disorders, more and more they're admitting that this is the result of chronic inflammation from a dysfunctional immune Thing I've been seeing is showing me that all of our top scientists in this field of immunology readily admit that they have no idea what the exact mechanisms are that are being triggered by these adjuvants or what other effects they might have. Uh, they word it in such ways as the exact mechanisms by which the immune system is triggered by these blah, 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 is not fully understood or is poorly understood. So this is working like a delayed incendiary, incendiary device. The majority of damage that vaccines are, are doing is delayed. It's, it's planting something in there. It's providing an alibi for the culprit. Because the pharma executive, picture him on an island next to a swimming pool with a nice drink in his hand, whilst back in suburban America, parents of a vaccine injured child are being lied to by the doctor, told, oh no, vaccines have been ruled out, even though they haven't been. And even though whatever the child's suffering is actually listed as a side effect of the drug uh, in the vaccine inserts. But, you know, pharma executives got his alibi because maybe this didn't turn up for months or weeks or even years. There's no telling once you trigger the immune system in unknown ways in combination with all of these foreign proteins, ground up fetal cells, tumor cancer cells. Literally, the FDA has approved the use of cancer tumor cells in which to grow vaccine uh, uh, antigens. So, and they have no way of separating out the antigen after they grow it in a cancer tumor cell. They just include it all together and inject it into us. And, um, you know what? I think I'm going to continue explaining what these charts have in them. Yes, please. Maybe I'll make another video that actually where I can screen share them properly. Um, so, 
Birth defects was another extreme point of interest here because we are the first study ever to look at the health outcomes of a, a subset who reports a 100% rate of exposure to prenatal vaccines. That was never our intention. We didn't set out to include these people. It was just something that was a, we asked the question on the survey. So even though the child might not have been vaccinated during, you know, after they were born, did the mother get vaccinated? Now, only about 3%, a little over 3% of the unvaccinated reported that the mother had been vaccinated during the pregnancy. And, you know, it was a curious uh, thing for us to wonder why a woman who would not want to vaccinate her child would agree to be vaccinated while she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting when I started to do the follow-up surveys of these women and speak to them about this. They all told me the exact same thing. Well, I was vaccinated during my pregnancy, and I believe it caused problems with my baby. One woman was vaccinated during her pregnancy. She never uh, questioned vaccine safety before. But and they got her vaccinated while she was pregnant. She ended up producing a child that was medically fragile, i.e., shrunken brain, epilepsy, uh, you know, all these horrific conditions, um, cerebral palsy and microcephaly. And um, so it was after she saw the product, you know, of a, a vaccine pregnancy that she said, no, I don't think I want to vaccinate my child. Um, it was very sad. The majority of the damage is already done. But one of the most interesting things, data points we stumbled on when we looked at that was that within that smaller subset who reported a 100% rate of uh, maternal vaccine exposure, the birth defect rate, the, uh, the average birth defect rate amongst them was twice the nav- national average. It was over 6%, which was really interesting to us. So we, I went and looked up the CDC's numbers on, well, just exactly what percentage of the population is uh, allowing themselves to be vaccinated while they're pregnant. Apparently, according to the CDC, close to 50% of all pregnancies in the United States are vaccinated. Now, think about this. The national average rate of birth defects in the United States is 3%. Hello? When you look at the, uh, the group we've got that's reporting a hundred percent rate of exposure to maternal vaccines. They're coming up with twice the national average, six percent, over six percent birth defect rate. Mm-hmm. So cut that in half and you've got the CDC's numbers, the, uh, 50 percent maternal vaccine, you know, pregnancy vaccine rate. Mm-hmm. And that just happens to correlate with the birth defect rate. Um, Three percent. So if you but nobody's ever actually done what we did. Nobody else has ever actually said, well, what is the birth defect rate amongst those who have a hundred percent rate of exposure to maternal vaccines? It's six percent, twice the national average. Now, is this including the Rogam shot? I know 20 years ago they were giving it to pregnant women. Study that and it was just not part of this field. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's no telling what the numbers will turn up if we were to study that. But that's not something we studied. Everything was very immune system, what might have triggered the immune system focused. And um, we stumbled on these numbers regarding the birth defect rate in maternal vaccination. And they're perfectly corroborated and uh, buttressed by the CDC's own numbers regarding the not only the national average rate for birth defects in the United States at 3%, but also the average uh, rate of pregnancy vaccines, which is uh, approaching 50%. So then we go and we take a stratified off subset of people who reported a 100% rate of maternal vaccines. And what happens? They come in and 
just over 6% rate of birth defects, which we found shocking in the unvaccinated group. Mm-hmm. It was so like, whoa, there's a group within our study who has a rate of birth defects that's twice the national average. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, however, if you just blended the maternal vaccine group in with all the, the entirely unvaccinated post birth, mm-hmm. we still ended up with a national, a national average rate of unvaccinated post birth at less than 1%. So 0.81% of our study group, um, had, uh, birth defects as opposed to the national average of 3% little over 3% actually. Now, if you scrape off the ones that were exposed to uh, either the K-shot or maternal vaccines, the risk of birth defects, the, the natural static background noise from all other potential causes of birth defects appears to be around 0.29% as a national average. And I say national average because our survey had 48 state coverage within the United States. And our sampling rate of our population of interest is phenomenal. It's over a half a percent in every age group. In some areas, we've got in in our pooled sample sets of uh, California and New York, which are on opposite sides of the continent, we came in at uh, 0.199%. Now, to give you some perspective, uh, the, uh, NIH, uh, commissioned a study of, uh, adults under, or children under the age of 18 back in 2016, or 2017, 2018, uh, um, and they had an average national sampling rate of 0.008%. Wow. And they say that their numbers are 99% reliable with only a small margin of error. We came in when we ran all the stats on our sampling rates and um, also the sample means. So you take the results that you've got and you cross reference them and look for deviations to determine whether or not what you've sampled is an accurate representation of those who didn't participate, but that uh, qualified for participation. And what we came up with with 99% accuracy, uh, or basically 99% confidence rating that the, um, accuracy, uh, is, it has a deviation of 0.21%. So, so when I say 0.81% of our group had birth defects, that's accurate to within 0.21%. Um, and let me keep moving through these because there are some more stunning things that occurred uh, within this. Um, heart disease in adults, zero. Zero freaking heart disease in adults. Whereas the national average... 48%. Wow. 48% of adults are walking around with some form of heart disease mm-hmm. and we have zero in the study group. What's next here? Diabetes. Oh, this was a big one. This one was stunning and so incredibly undeniable. So diabetes is at 10% in all age groups in the United States at this time. In the entirely unvaccinated, even with exposure to the vitamin K shot and or maternal vaccines, Mm. the diabetes rate in our study group, zero, zero percent. Mm. We did not have a single report of diabetes. Mm -hmm. Now, when you think about what the odds are, so above 99% percent certainty that vaccines are a causal factor in the disparity. But then when you actually look at what are the odds against this outcome, they're astronomical. Even if we weren't focusing on any particular group and we were just randomly flitting about the country, just surveying people's health, 
no matter what they were, were, were not exposed to. The odds of serving this many people and not stumbling upon, I mean, we're talking about one in 10 people is going to have diabetes. So once you get up over a thousand people that you've surveyed without any diabetes reported, the odds of being able to locate that many people or the, the odds against it, if vaccines are not the primary cause of diabetes in America today are astronomical. Mm. It's, it's, I've got someone working out the final numbers on those odds because we're actually going to be presenting that in the charts. Um, I'm not good at numbers, actually. <laughs> you sound pretty good to me. Um, <laughs> That's not my interpretation. I'm a lot better. I've, I've, I've taken a crash course in statistics and, and, and health statistics over the past few months. Um, so we've got digestive orders at 18%. Of the general population suffering some type of digestive disorder, uh, in the entirely unvaccinated, whether they were exposed to vitamin K shot or not, it's, um, 0.4% risk that you will have a digestive problem if you're just somebody in the po- general population who just happens not to vaccinate. So, and when you're talking about trying to raise a healthy family, the number one way to eliminate the risk of all these diseases is clearly to simply avoid vaccines. So food allergies, that's another category. Food allergies um, in the United States uh, in, in children, those under the age of 18, is now at 6.5%. Um, in entirely unvaccinated post-birth, it's 1.1%. So now if you want to reduce your, your risk of an allergy even further, you avoid the vitamin K shot because in that group, um, it drops down to far less than 1%. Mm. I'm going to keep moving through these. Um, what do we got next? Asthma. This one was really interesting as well. So 7.5% of American children now have asthma. And this number, of course, is rising by the day. In the entirely unvaccinated, the risk of asthma is 0.71% now. If you uh, are not exposed to either prenatal vaccines or the vitamin K shot, that risk drops down to 0.24% that you might have asthma. Compare that to 7.5% risk. In adults, the risk of asthma in the United States is 7.7%, slightly higher than for children. Amazingly, since children, we, we think of them as getting a lot more exposures to vaccines than adults. But, you know, Big Pharma's been changing that by pushing all of the... um uh vaccines on old people and and pregnant ladies and pretty much just anyone college students you know so um the risk of asthma in those over the age of 18 who abstain from vaccination 0% we couldn't find a single adult that was unvaccinated who had who had asthma to report not one. Okay, uh, let's move on to um, eczema. Another good one or awful one. Eczema in the United States in children is now 10.7% of all American children have eczema. Now, let me qualify that. 10.7% of all vaccinated American children have eczema, whereas only 1.49% of unvaccinated children have asthma. Now, within the unvaccinated group, if you remove the vitamin K shot from the equation and you narrow it down to the group who has had no exposure to either vaccines or the vitamin K shot, 
the risk of asthma drops down to 0.36%. So it's down. Uh, so if you're vaccinated, it's at 10.7% risk. You, your child will have asthma. If they're unvaccinated but exposed to the vitamin K shot, their risk is 1.49%. Uh, if your child is not exposed to vaccines or the vitamin K shot, their risk of eczema drops down to 0.36%. So uh, developmental disabilities. Basically, you and I both know it's brain inflammation, but we'll just call it developmental disabilities. Now, in this uh, national average, we're only citing the ones that are considered like very serious kind of physical diagnosis, not ADHD. You know, we're talking about serious problems with developmental. Um, and we reduced that. We were very generous, generous and reduced that down to 6.99%. So if your child is vaccinated, uh, they run close to 7% risk that they will suffer some sort of developmental disabilities, speech delays, trouble walking, talking, uh, uh, learning, and normal things like going to the potty are going to be difficult. Um, and let's not even begin to talk about all the problems they might run into when they start trying to get an education. But we're talking about like serious developmental disabilities, close to 7%, 6.99% risk that your child will have developmental disabilities if they are one of the 99% vaccine exposed in the United States. However, if your child has never been exposed to vaccines, that risk drops down to 1.24%. And if you also avoid the vitamin K shot as well as vaccines, the risk of developmental disabilities in your child will now drop down to 0.32%. Unbelievable. Yeah, these graphs, I'm really sorry that the audience can't see them because they're nice big 3D barrel oh graphs with different colors that really make the point because you're looking at it in volume, you know, and it, 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 it has a little more impact than just someone speaking the numbers, but I'll go on. Yeah, we should do done, this again. But- we should do this again. It might be something to do with Progressive Radio Network because they're using their Skype to connect us, and maybe they don't do video, so maybe that could have okay. something to do with it. But we'll do it again well, if you want. <laughs> okay. So now we're. Um, I'm almost done here, so I'm going to move through okay. these a little faster. So okay. learning disabilities, uh, separate from the severe uh, developmental disabilities and delays, etc. We're at 8% of children, vaccinated children in the United States are currently suffering learning disabilities. However, if your child is not vaccinated, that risk drops down to 0.72%. Now, if your child avoids vac, if you avoid vaccines and the vitamin K shot for your child, that risk of developmental disabilities drops down to 0.32%. So we're looking at background noise of what could be caused, you know, the background noise is where you've eliminated these exposures to either vaccines or, um, or the vitamin K shot. And then you get a realistic view of what we're, what all the other problems might be that are causing problems in our children. And they're minute. Mm -hmm. They're close to zero. Mm. Uh, okay. So let's see. I'm going to. Go to the important ones. They did a chart on ADHD, but I don't even believe that's a real diagnosis. There's no physical test for it. There's it's no not paper. a biological. It's subjective. However, I can mention that little factoid here that um, close to 10% of American children are diagnosed with uh, ADHD, and uh, over 65% of them are medicated with uh, uh, amphetamines. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of kids taking speed. I know. Nasty. Okay, so um, autism. Knew that would come up, huh? Autism? Okay, so we took the generous approach here and accepted their the, the national numbers. 
which are currently placing it at 2.5% of risk that your child will be autistic if they are vaccinated. If they are not vaccinated, that risk drops down to 0.21%. Now, if they are also never exposed to the vitamin K shot or maternal vaccines, that risk drops down to zero. So the only two, we did have two cases of autism reported in this survey. However, both of those cases were in children who were exposed to either maternal vaccine or maternal vaccines and or the vitamin K shot. There were no autism cases in the unvaccinated who reported zero exposure to either the vitamin K shot or pregnancy vaccines. They have to take in consideration also generational vaccine damage, even the parents' vaccines as a child. And the background noise we're seeing in the birth defects Mm. in the, in the ones that weren't exposed to anything, but we still did get a few birth defects. Mm -hmm. That's maybe the background noise, which is well under, um, 0.3%. Which is still not great, but it's not horrifying. Mm-hmm. 6% risk that your child will have birth defects, and I'm talking serious birth defects, if you accept a pregnancy vaccine. That is horrifying. And when I say 6%, I'm only talking about the individual children who ended up with birth defects as in plural. So we're not just talking about maybe they'll have a shrunken, shrunken brain. They will also have all of these other deformities. 6% chance that your child will end up with not just one, but several birth defects. And we're talking serious ones. If you decide, oh, you know what? I'm so scared of measles or whatever else they're injecting into me that I think I want to produce a seriously deformed child have a 6% risk that I'm going to give birth to a birth, a, a defective child that's got serious problems. Now I do personally believe because of all the research I've been doing on this subject, I personally believe and, and, and correct me if you think this is wrong, but I personally believe that the female human body has demonstrated the ability to reject def- uh, defective or injured fetuses and that there are a lot of miscarriages going on right now and nobody's counting them. Mm-mm. I've got my own niece. Her mother tried to talk her out of getting vaccinated when she got pregnant. She let the doctor talk her into it. And a couple weeks later, she miscarried yep. and it was pretty devastating. It was kind of a late term miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the national rate of birth defects, if not for women's ability to reject fetuses and, and, and automatically miscarry when it's really defective, we may be looking at a much bigger rate of deformities and birth defects mm-hmm. in the children being born today, given that the CDC is now reporting that close to half of all pregnancies in the United States are vaccinated. I think that the only reason that we're not seeing a much higher uh, rate of birth defects is because women have the innate ability, their, their body just knows to reject pregnancies where it's gone really bad. Um, and the, the, the baby might not be fully viable. So when we look at the national average of 3%, it, you know, if not for all the misc, and nobody's counting the miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Nobody's adding them up. Nobody's gone and surveyed women who have gotten vaccinated during their pregnancy and had, you know, just a subset of, you know, let's say, um, a random sampling of, you know, a thousand women who were all have one thing in common. They were vaccinated during pregnancy. Uh, and what was the result? Because in our study, we didn't, we didn't ask to survey the results of a miscarriage. 
So we wouldn't have captured any of those in our survey. We were looking for live births that were unvaccinated, period. We wanted information on other exposures, but we weren't looking, asking women, did you get pregnant and get vaccinated? You know, it just was not a qualifier that would have ended up being caught in our survey, but it needs to be caught. It needs to be studied. We need to know what the results are, not only how many miscarriages these women are having after they get vaccinated, but what percentage of their children are coming out deformed. And we're coming up with a rate of 6% in a study that is the only one that has ever done this, that's ever said, you know, what is the birth defect rate within this group who carries a 100% rate of exposure to, to vaccines during pregnancy. What's the result of that? And it's coming up, up at 6%, a little over 6%. So it's horrifying. Uh, oh, this one was interesting. Ear fluid. Apparently 90, according to the CDC, I had no idea it was this bad, but according to the CDC, 90% of uh, children under the age of 18 experience uh, excess ear fluid. Um, now remember that's in the 99% vaccinated population because we found in our survey that zero point, the risk of excess ear fluid in children under the age of 10 was 0.1%. So 0.1%. Now that was only actually ended up being, um, only in children that have been exposed to the vitamin K shot. Mm. So of those surveyed who had zero exposure to either vaccines or the vitamin K shot, zero ear fluid, which means zero ear infections. We didn't have a single ear infection report, not one. Excellent. Um, you know, I mean, that's a serious thing. We take it as, well, it's just so common. You know, it's so common that it's not a problem. No, it's a serious problem to have your hearing threatened. And whatever it is is causing all these children to have their hearing threatened, it needs to stop. Because that's a serious disability if it injures your hearing. Um, uh, that That's another thing. We didn't have any reports of hearing loss or even hearing problems within this study of unvaccinated, with or without exposure to the K-shot and maternal vaccines. So that was very interesting. Um, speech disorders in the 99% vaccinated population of all ages, uh, 5% mm. report speech disorders. In the unvaccinated population, 0.52%. Mm. In the unvaccinated population with no exposure to the vitamin K-shot, uh, let me reach. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. It's zero percent. Wow. Zero percent. We did not have a single report of a speech disorder in any any of the unvaccinated who were not exposed. So let me reiterate. If your child is vaccinated, they run a five percent chance of speech disorders, which I seem to be having right now. Um, if your child is uh, unvaccinated, that risk drops down to 0.52%. If your child is never exposed to either vaccines or the vitamin K shot, their risk of a speech disorder is essentially zero. Let me uh, keep moving here. Uh, <laughs> chronic sinus sinusitis. Chronic sinusitis. Problems with your sinuses. Mm-hmm. Big part of your immune system, actually. Uh, if you are vaccinated in the United States, you have a 14.6% chance risk of having chronic sinusitis. If you are unvaccinated in the United States, you have a risk of 0.22% that you will have a chronic sinusitis. 
If you are unvaccinated and you have no exposure to the vitamin K shot, you have a zero, zero risk or as close to as it, as it gets. I mean, like I said before, as a qualifier, that's not to say that if we didn't uh, survey every, you know, if, if that's not to say if we uh, surveyed every single entirely unvaccinated person in the country that we wouldn't turn up with a couple of sinus conditions somewhere. It's just that that risk would be somewhere in the point zero zero zero, you know, if you're unvaccinated and you have managed to avoid the vitamin K shot. And I keep going here. Uh, epilepsy. Um, that's running a, a risk. Now, epilepsy, if you were to join that into a group of nervous system conditions, including paralysis and, you know, basically just nervous system damage, you're going to end up with higher numbers. These are stratified out actually in ways I don't like, but we had to do comparisons against available national statistics. And what we've got here is that there's um, apparently 1.2% risk of epilepsy in the vaccinated population. If you are unvaccinated, that risk drops down to 0.07%. If you are unvaccinated and you have avoided the vitamin K shot at birth, that risk of epilepsy drops down to zero. Zero. Didn't have a single case of epilepsy. SIDS. Of course, we both know SIDS is not actually a cause of death, um, but we had zero SIDS in the unvaccinated. However, we did have one woman report a SIDS in her previously vaccinated child uh, or in her vaccinated child who at six months. Now this didn't become part of our study data. It was just a story she told because she wanted to be heard to explain why she will no longer vaccinate her additional children, which by the way are both very healthy. Um, at six months old, her little baby was taken to the doctor by her, the well baby visit, got multiple injections and died of SIDS six day or not five days later on the fifth day after the injection. Um, I, th- I, th- I think what's the last category we've got in these charts. That's okay. So I'm going to get back to this SIDS thing because that's a really um, important topic. Um, when you look at the uh, VAERS database and you realize that they have over 99% failure rate of collecting the data relevant to the side effects of, uh, or the negative side effects of vaccination, um, then you can, doesn't take a genius to calibrate those numbers. So if you're looking at a number of, um, you know, a thousand times it by a hundred. Okay. If there's a thousand deaths, it's actually a hundred thousand. Um, and that's according to the Harvard study, which nobody has refuted. They tried to hide it, but nobody refuted it. Nobody said, well, that's just no good, and that's why we're not going to pay attention to it. It was perfectly valid, and it proved that the uh, vaccine uh, adverse event injury reporting system has a 99% failure rate. Now, think about that for a minute. What accounting system could you even conceive of? that would produce a 99% of the time it's wrong on the numbers rating. Look, if you fail even slightly on your accounting with the IRS, you get to go to jail. And the only thing at stake there is money. We're talking about lives here. And they don't think our children's lives or our lives are worth as much as the time it would take to count them. And that's just the reality of the way our federal government's dealing with this, the way our state governments have been dealing with it. Um, so I just, I just stumbled on an Oxford study written in 2015, which took a look at the VAERS data, uh, combining a couple of years of deaths 
and they found that 80% of the deaths reported that made it into the reporting system, which we know less than 1% do, but they still had, you know, thousands of deaths, and they were looking at them to determine whether or not they saw a concerning pattern in these deaths, right? Well, these scientific people, a guy named Pedro was heading it up, uh, he determined that there was no concerning pattern in the fact that over 80% of these deaths were reported within hours of vaccination. And do you know what his reasoning is as to why that's not concerning? Because this is such a com, these were common ways for the 99% vaccinated population to die off. So in other words, if the cause of death that was most common is SIDS, which we both know is not an actual cause of death, then it's okay that that person died within hours of vaccination because it's so common for vaccinated people to die that way. That's their reasoning. I know. This is at the top of our scientific community. This is how they work. I know, I know, I know, I know. We ran out of time, Joy. Oh, you're kidding me. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy, I managed that fast tonight. No, that's okay. And and I want to be able to show your slides and stuff, too. So if you want to record, uh, you know, at a separate time where you can get it, you know, what you want, showing the slides and stuff, you know, I'm open. Yeah, to- I'm going to have to do another. Uh, I'm, I might do it when I go on the Truth or Talk show. There's this great black she's so cool awesome you know trump reporter and like knows what's going on with the vaccines and just very awake and uh, she and i've made friends and and by the way uh anyone listening to this right now go over to truth or talk on youtube girl's great anything you want me to plug for when because i'm probably still going to post this anyway excellent well thank you again for being our guest it's been too long (laughs) anything you want me to plug um, you know, just our website. We're keeping it updated with this coronavirus. I mean, vaccine and uh, anyway, it's okay. our website. We're keeping on top of everything. We're Dr. Truat. We'll have on again next week. He's our researcher, our naturopath, an amazing scientist of our creator. Uh, you might want to listen to some of his shows. He's been our guest quite often recently. Um, but anyway, we have to close now. And this is only an audio on our website. Um, but hopefully we'll get yours videoed whenever you would like to do it again. We can do that. Okay. I'll send you what I've got, um, yes. from my next one with, with, uh, Verston. You're amazing, Joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening. You're listening to Vic Fellowship, and our shows can be accessed on the front page of our vacinfo.org website on the belly of a little boy flexing his muscles. We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our contact number is 800-939-8227. If you have any questions about today's show, please call the voicemail line 862-800-6805. Leave your name, your question, and let them know it's for our What in the Cell is Going On radio show. We thank Progressive Radio Network for allowing us to give you this uncompromised truth, and God bless.